This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Over the past couple of weeks, you might have heard stories of a potential plan from Boris Johnson's government to bring back imperial units to UK shops. The EU introduced a directive back in the year 2000 that meant traders were legally required to use the metric system. But now the UK's left the EU, is it time to revive imperial units once more? Right now in the UK, you can sell products using imperial units as long as you also list the metric equivalent. There are a few classically British exceptions, of course. There's pints in the pub, milk, but only on your doorstep, and distances on road signs. But last week, the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy launched a consultation on all of this, whether shop owners should have the choice to sell their products using only imperial measurements like pounds and ounces. Now, this might seem like a desperately trivial issue, and the move has attracted its fair share of criticism, but it's definitely sparked something in the British psyche. To be honest, I don't think it's about cats, whether dead or alive. It's about freedom of choice. I think it is slightly a stunt. Frankly, if this is the best that the government after several years has come up for, for the benefits of leaving the European Union, um, then it's leaving rather a lot to be um, desired. Well, look, I think it's just allowing a bit, of, a bit of our national heritage and culture back onto, the, back onto the shop shelf. In any case, the proposal is about something far bigger than our shopping habits. Because the history of the debate around imperial versus metric tells us a lot about politics and power. And it goes far further back than Boris Johnson. I'm in Sample, The Guardian's science editor, and this is Science Weekly. James Vincent, you've just written a book beyond measure about the history and science of measurement. In it, you make clear how having control over units isn't just about the practicalities of measuring the world. It's about power, too. And that goes far further back than the metric system, right? Yeah, we have this 
deep connection between political sovereignty and between defining units of measurement. It's a practical thing in many ways, and that you want to have consistent units of measurement in order for people to trade fairly, in order for them to sort of build plans for your city walls, for your aqueducts, and you want to be able to exchange knowledge as well. How does having control over units of measurement give someone power? And who decides actually which measures to use? The way I like to think about it, and it's perhaps a little bit of a simplification, but there is a reason that uh, a ruler is both a piece of wood or a piece of plastic with intervals marked on it and a person who has life or death control over their fellow humans. Because if you are defining these systems, you are defining how people look at the world and you're also creating the environment for people to flourish and to prosper in. And humans have come up with some pretty ingenious ways of measuring stuff. Walk us through some of your favourites that you've come across while researching the book. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many oddities of measurement. Uh, but one of my favourites was the Poron, Poron Kusema. I'm going to say that wrong, but that's a unit of measurement roughly equivalent to six miles uh, that's used by the Sami cultures of Northern Europe. And translated, it means reindeer's piss, uh, because the Poron Kusuma is uh, basically how long it takes for a reindeer to walk before they need to go for uh, a little loo break. And for these cultures, uh, you know, reindeer were used for, they were hunted, they were used sometimes as beasts of burden, essentially. So if you live alongside these animals, you're going to start noticing things about them. And an old Irish unit called the collop, uh, which is the amount of land needed to graze a single cow. And what I love about a unit like that is not just that it's obviously, it's sort of got this beautiful simplicity to it, but it is a unit that shrinks and expands with the area that it's measuring. So it means that a collop of good, high energy dense pasture is going to be smaller than a collop of barren hillside. So it's a unit that encodes information about the world. And aspects of the human body, dimensions of the human body come into a lot of those early measurements as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, pretty much every civilization, every group of people that we have records of their units of measurement, they have a unit that corresponds to a foot, for example, because it just makes sense, doesn't it? That you're you're measuring things out. Uh, you may be going to measure it out in paces. Maybe you're going to use the actual length of your foot. And they have units corresponding to all sorts of different body parts, basically. The human body is more or less consistent in size. It is always accessible. Your units are literally to hand. And it's proportionate because if you're building a home, for example, then measuring it out in subdivisions of your own body makes complete sense for a space that you're going to be living in. And this brings us to the metric system. I mean, part of the reason for its creation seems to have been extremely practical. I think it was about standardizing this huge array of units that people were using in France in the 18th century, which were causing their fair share of problems themselves. How bad was the situation back then? Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> so one estimate in France is that there were 
you know, some 250,000 variations of different units. And it becomes a, a prerogative of the nobility to define the units that are used within their particular region that they have control over. So they would take in payments of grain, for example, but they might use a larger bushel for collecting their payments from peasants than their peasants would themselves use for trading grain at the market. And they do this, obviously, just to skim a little bit of money off the top for themselves. But this creates a lot and lot of discontent. They want one king, one law, one weight and one measure because they're fed up of being cheated. So what was the driving force of bringing in the metric system? Why that system? Yeah, absolutely. On the one hand, you have the demands of these peasants who are fed up of being cheated. And at the same time, you have the revolutionaries who want to remake the world in order to create better French Republican citizens. So with the metric system, the main unit was the meter. And the meter was defined as one ten millionth of the distance from the equator to the North Pole. And that required a huge survey of, um, of the European continent, essentially, which took seven years to measure out and calculate this unit. Uh, and that replaced a lot of units of measurement. But one of the main ones was the pied du roi, which literally means the foot of the king. So this is a huge sort of symbolic exchange that happens. Instead of a unit derived from the body of the king, you have one derived from cutting edge science. And this is part of the ideological project that the metric system represents. So this system really introduced these new units that were defined by the earth and by nature and, and deeply rooted in science and obviously complemented the Republican values of the revolution. But this sort of spread of metric, it gained ground across Europe in the 19th century. But then in the UK and the US, you had this firm opposition. What were some of the arguments against the metric system at the time? So the practical arguments include things like the imperial system, because it uses base 12 and base 16 in its divisions of units, uh, it's easier for people to do quick calculations in their head. So, you know, if you go to the market and you want to buy a pound of this or a yard of that, you can easily divide that into halves or thirds or quarters in your head, which you can't do with the metric system quite as easily because it's decimal. That's one of the practical arguments. And then you get the more ideologically motivated ones. So because the metric system was created during the French Revolution, it's really associated with what else people know about the French Revolution, uh, which is that it's a very anti-religious political re revolution, that it's republican, um, and that it is foreign. So there's a lot of sort of xenophobic arguments that get mustered both in the US and the UK that to get rid of the imperial system was to go against, you know, what God preferred. But wouldn't that resistance to metric have made it really hard for the UK to trade with neighbouring countries? One of the reasons there is you know, solid resistance to the metric system in the UK is because we have the economic might of the British Empire. So you know, if, if you're pro-metric um, in Europe at this time, you might say, well, if you want to do trade with us, wouldn't it be helpful if you had the same units of weight and length that we do? And the British Empire... Uh, can respond, we don't need you because we have our empire to trade with. And that creates its own internal market. So, of course, the UK did eventually embrace the metric system in the 1960s, largely to make trade easier. 
But let's fast forward to today. I mean, we already use imperial units for pints, for distances on road signs, for measuring our height. And UK law already allows us to use imperial alongside metric in shops anyway. So what's really behind what's going on at the moment? What's the reason behind this sort of attempt from Boris Johnson to get a sort of fight between metric and imperial going again? Well, I would say I have sort of two ways of approaching uh, my interpretation of that. And one is just that I think he's just doing it as a distraction, that I think he's obviously trying to uh, drum up some interesting press coverage that is not about the current scandals he's embroiled in, and that it's like blue passports. It's a symbolic gesture, a sort of nostalgia project in order to placate uh, the conservative base. But from a a deeper cultural point of view, as a a historian of metrology, I would say that he's trying to tap into very deep-seated fears we have about political sovereignty, about control of our environment. You know, if you grow up using a certain measurement system, then any changes to that, they take a while to be accommodated. Any country that has switched from a, a prior system of measurement to metric, there is always a period of discontent. Um, and it just so happens that in the UK, that discontent has in the past been harnessed by political actors, uh, particularly UKIP and Nigel Farage, um, who have said that, you know, this represents the destruction of traditional British values. And I think that's what Johnson, whether he knows it or not, he's tapping into those really deep-seated political fears. And James, I know you don't have a a crystal ball, but this review in the UK is, is now underway. The government's launched this review of imperial and metric. How do you see it playing out? And how do you think it should play out? (laughs) I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think the responses we've seen so far from uh, business leaders, I think like the the head of Asda uh, sort of responded to it and called it ridiculous and unworkable and said there was no point in pursuing it. And I think that's the response that the government is going to get. I don't, however, know whether that (laughs) is going to really shape what they do. However, taking the long view, I think metric has essentially won out. Um, And we're going to continue to use certain units, I think, for a long time, for decades to come in the UK. But I think trying to reintroduce them and re-strengthen their place in society isn't going to work. But it is the case, isn't it, that imperial measurements now have become almost a bit meta in that they're they're actually defined by reference to metric standards now. Yeah, absolutely. And, And the reason for this is quite simple, is that the scientific community is united behind metric and has been for you know more than a century and the the international bodies who are who have been created to look after metric they do incredible scientific work on this but i mean i think this shows how there is a, a way for us to live together with multiple systems of units and that we can use the benefits of metric and obviously still retain some of the cultural meaning that we want from Imperial. So no one wants to get rid of pints in pubs, for example, because it just it means too much to us as a country. But James, whatever the sort of rights and wrongs or the, the, the real reasons for this debate suddenly being launched in the UK, it does say something interesting about the value of units in our everyday lives. I'm interested in why you think people care about these things. I mean, do you care if you go to the pub and get a pint or a half a litre of beer? That's a really interesting question. You know, I I don't know if I would care about that particularly. 
right? I don't think I would kick up a fuss, and I never have in Europe, when I can't get a pint, but I'll get, you know, you get 500 milliliters instead. But I think measurements in general really, really matter to people because the measurements we use are how we make sense of the environment around us and how we make sense of ourselves a lot. So I think this is why measurements matter to people because they're how we understand ourselves. What we measure is what we pay attention to. Measurement is a form of attention. So it matters where we direct that. Thanks a lot, James. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for all your time. Really enjoyed chatting. Thanks again to James Vincent. You can find a link to his book, as well as an opinion piece he wrote for The Guardian on Boris Johnson's moves to bring back imperial units on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was Anand Jagatir. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer was Lorna Stewart. Madeline Finlay will be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.